Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items, and never fear. There's nothing here that bites. Hard, anyway. Ah, <laughs> uh, hello there. So good to see you once again at Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I am your shopkeeper, Chris Baker, and today we've got a curious item indeed. If you'll take a look over here, I've uh, taken the liberty of uh, placing this upon the counter. It is a quill and ink set. Quite old, uh, probably in the... First half of the 1800s, if you notice the quill looks quite used, but uh, a curious thing, the feather used for this quill is black in nature, maybe that of a crow or better yet a raven. This quill has indeed been used to write some of the most horrific tales known to man. And therein lies the heart of today's episode of Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. So let's pull out the kinetoscope and take a look at the new Shudder film, Raven's Hollow. Now, Shudder's doing their 61 Days of Halloween, and every Thursday through September and October, they're releasing a new Shudder original horror film. And I have been really pleasantly surprised by a lot of these. They've had a, a lot of really good films, uh, if at the very least, a lot of really decent films. Uh, some have been better than others, but everyone, uh, for the most part, I haven't watched a couple of them, but for the most part, all the ones I've seen in the 61 Days of Halloween on Shudder have been good films. I, I've quite enjoyed them. And this past Thursday, uh, they released another film entitled Raven's Hollow. And I watched the trailer, and I was not impressed by the trailer. For some reason, the trailer just made the movie look cheap. I, I don't know what it was about the trailer, how it was cut, or or the look of the trailer, the shots they chose. But I just didn't. Uh, I didn't think I was going to like this movie. And the movie really didn't tell you a lot about this story. I mean, it gave you little hints about what it could be about, but it really didn't give away too much. And, and sometimes that's a really good thing. I've seen far too many trailers, especially in this day and age, in the past 20 years, uh, trailers have just gotten way too spoilery. And you see all the best reveals of the movie before the movie even hits the, hits the screen. And so I, I can appreciate when... Uh, a studio or a director, they put together a trailer and it doesn't give away too much. But in this case, they really didn't give me any sense of what the story was really going to be about other than the Edgar Allan Poe ties. So I went into this thinking, okay, you know what? I, there, there are no big movies being released. There are no uh, TV series that are, that are coming to a close. I, I need something to talk about on this podcast. So I'm, I was like on a lark in lieu of having to come up with just some sort of generic episode. Uh, I thought, you know, I'm going to at least give this a try. And worst case scenario, I've got to come up with just something to talk about uh you know maybe talk about uh the original hellraiser movie and the hellbound heart short story that it was based on as we get ready for the big hell re hellraiser reboot coming up uh, early next month uh something like that which is still possibly in the cards but you know if this movie wasn't any good and it was not good to the point where i didn't even want to talk about it i had that kind of in my hip pocket but i went into this thinking you know i'm going to give this every shot 
this Raven's Hollow movie. I was going to give it the shot it deserved. And if it was something I really wanted to talk about on the show, then then I was going to do that. If not, I'd have to come up with some plan B. So I watched this movie, and right off the bat, I'm going to tell you, I was really pleasantly surprised by this movie. Was it the best movie ever? No, it wasn't. Uh, was it a great movie? I can't say that it was a great movie, but I thought it was a good movie. It was an enjoyable movie. It did have some areas where it lacked, and we're going to talk about that, but then it did have some areas where it really excelled, and we're going to talk about that. So I'm going to try and remain as spoiler-free as possible in this podcast. I mean, we're going to talk about things, but I'm, I'm going to try not to give away too much. And there's really not a big... There's a little bit of a twist at the end as to the, the whodunit of it all. They kind of lead you in one direction, then you realize it's in another direction. And it's it's a quasi-big reveal, but it's not that big. You probably could figure it out. The big bad guy, this being one of two people. Uh, so I, I won't get into that. I'll leave that for you to watch. We will talk about it in generic terms. That way uh, we can talk about it, but not give anything away for anyone who hasn't really seen this movie. But this movie takes place in New York State in 1830, uh, about the time Edgar Allan Poe was at West Point and a cadet at West Point. Now, if you know anything about uh, Edgar Allan Poe, there's a lot of mystery surrounding the end of his life, his death. There's a lot of mystery uh, surrounding that. There's been movies about that. But one of the things I found interesting as the director of this movie, uh, Christopher Hatton. He also wrote this with Chuck Reeves. Uh, when he conceived this story, he he even went out of his way to to realize that, that this is something where Edgar Allan Poe, the end of his life, is filled with so much mystery that everyone really kind of talks about that. But there's also a mystery at the beginning of his life because we know that he was a cadet at West Point. Uh, he entered the army at at some point in the late 1820s, uh, got discharged so then he could go into the military academy at West Point. And he did that right around uh, 1829, 1830, somewhere around there. And this movie takes place with he and some other cadets from West Point in 1830. They're on a bit of a training exercise, traveling the countryside when they run into uh, what looks like a perverse version of a scarecrow. It's a man tied to a structure made to look like the wings of a bird, and he has been disemboweled. His head is, his, his insides, his stomach uh, split open, and he, with his dying breath, he says the word raven to Edgar Allan Poe, to which they gather up the body, and they're trying to find where he comes from, and they come across a, a small community named Raven's Hollow. And of course, uh, the brilliant powers of deduction, they figure this is what he means when he said Raven. He was talking about his home, Raven's Hollow. And they come into Raven's Hollow, and it, it all of a sudden becomes a, a mystery, a big horror-tinged detective story where Edgar Allan Poe is leading this, this group of cadets as they're trying to figure out the mystery behind 
why this man was killed in such a manner, why the townspeople killed him. Uh, did the count townspeople kill him? Because the, the everyone is really kind of either playing dumb or they are acting suspect, sus as the kids would say these days. And everyone seems to know a little more than what they're letting on. And there's this big mystery and there's this big communal secret that everyone seems to be keeping. And Edgar Allan Poe and his his cohorts in these military academy cadets are trying to get to the bottom of this. It's more Edgar Allan Poe. The, the rest of the guys, <laughs> half of them want to go home. The one guy is scared out of it. It was wits. The other guy is kind of his buddy and is helping him out. But, you know, he, he just wants to, to leave and, and go get reinforcements or just get out of there. Uh, Edgar Allan Poe is really the only one that, that wants to stick around and solve this mystery because it's the right thing to do. And that's where we're going to kind of start talking about these individual characters, what we know of them, what they bring to the story. We're going to talk about the story through their perspective and through uh, through the lens of where they are and what they do in the story. And you have to start at the top with Edgar Allan Poe, who is played by William uh, Mosley, who is a, an actor. You, you've probably seen him in, in numerous things. If you watch the Chronicles of Narnia films, he played Peter in that. He's been in several movies and television series. Uh, I know I've never watched it, but I've heard of it. The Royals. He's a, a regular leading role guy in that. He's also in that new movie, Medieval, with Ben Foster, that uh, a movie that when I was going to see uh, Barbarian, I saw that was out at the same time. And I was like, well, it's Barbarian for me, but I would like to see Medieval when it comes on streaming. So the guy's an accomplished actor. He's an excellent actor. And I really liked his role in this because he played Edgar Allan Poe in a way that wasn't necessarily what I expected. You know, you see Edgar Allan Poe, uh, the image we most uh, often get of Edgar Allan Poe is him later in his life where he's got the, the hair poofing out on the sides and he's got the mustache and you know he's he's older in these pictures of course Edgar Allan Poe died at 40 years of age or almost 40 years of age uh, so you know he's got that look of that age in most of the pictures we see of him but if you look at any of the younger versions of his picture where he doesn't have the mustache he's got the shorter cut hair and you know he's a he's a dashing guy he is a very charming guy from a lot of accounts and I know Christopher Hatton looked into this and, and heard of the accounts where he's very charming very likable very funny uh, you know we always think of Edgar Allan Poe as probably the guy uh, a creepy little guy walking around uh, you know saying all these weird quotes that ended up in his his stories but but that just wasn't the case and William Mosley really kind of portrayed that he wasn't really jovial he wasn't making jokes or anything like like that, but he was kind of a charming uh, leading man type, and and that's one of the things I kind of worried about with this movie because I, I I too often see movies where they take a historical figure and then they change their backstory to make them be the. Uh, hero in whatever movie they happen to be making, uh, making the character of history uh, so much unlike the character that they actually were and turning him into uh, an action hero or a hero of some sort when they actually probably lived a, a pretty mundane life. But I, I liked this because one, uh, 
This is a time when Edgar Allan Poe would have been in the military academy. This is a time that we don't really know a lot of what was going on with Edgar Allan Poe while he was in the military academy. Granted, he wasn't in there very long. He would have probably left the military academy, got himself uh, purposely discharged uh, not long after the events of this, which, uh, you know, the, the events of this movie could have compelled him. I, I know this, this movie didn't actually happen. The events of this movie didn't actually happen. But I, I liked how uh, there's enough gray area there that you can fill in the blanks quasi-legitimately, or at least the outcomes of his life uh, or the outcomes of this movie could have legitimately led to uh, what we do know, where we do know his story picked up in the military academy where he did get himself dishonorably discharged and left shortly after, like I said, the events of this movie would have taken place. And William Mosley, I think, did a good job of playing that likable, good-looking guy that the the ladies kind of liked. Uh, from what I understand, uh, Edgar Allan Poe had a falling out with his foster father, uh, Mr. Allen, because <laughs> Mr. Allen was upset of over all the illegitimate kids he was siring all over the countryside. You don't do that without uh, having a, a, a good-looking face that the ladies want to get with. So I really enjoyed William Mosley's uh, portrayal of Edgar Allan Poe. Poe. I, I thought he was a strong leading man. I, I thought he was a, he did good acting. Uh, he was very likable for a character that we didn't really learn much more about him than what was on the screen. And that was probably one of the biggest uh, problems I had with this movie is that you didn't really learn a whole lot about these characters, their wants, their needs, their desires outside of what you saw on the screen. So it really lacked a little bit of character depth that I was kind of hoping for uh, with with this, especially this character of Edgar Allan Poe, but with the movie in general. It had almost a two-hour runtime. Uh, it just felt like uh, there was a lot of backstory. There was a lot of depth that you could have kind of worked in to, to make these characters a little more uh, richer, a little more interesting, uh, put a little more stakes behind all that was going on, make us care about some of these characters more than we actually did. I mean, I care about Edgar Allan Poe just because I like his work, and, and you want to see the good guy win in this. But I didn't care much more about him than that because I know he survives uh, because he goes on to write all the all these stories. So I know he survives, but I, I just wanted to care about the character. I wanted to care about the stakes of the movie a little more than I did, and I I think a lot of that suffered because we didn't really get to know these characters, like I said, more than what was on the screen. But that's a writing thing. And William Mosley actually played the, the Edgar Allan Poe character quite well. I did like the interactions with him and the other cadets. Uh, the one cadet he seemed quite close with. The other two were kind of ambivalent to him. He, it almost seemed you, you kind of got the feel that maybe Edgar Allan Poe's done this before. <laughs> where he's, he's getting his buddies into shenanigans because he just won't leave things well enough alone, uh, much like when they come across this corpse and and they've got to, to take him back to his family or back to where he came from when everyone else just wants to leave him there. Uh, you can tell that maybe uh, this has happened before and Edgar Allan Poe is the kind of guy that, you know, he's in this movie, he's very much about honor and duty. 
doing things because it's the right thing to do. And sometimes with a lot of people, uh, that doesn't sit well. But to get a little bit of his interaction with the cadets, uh, you get a little bit of his interaction with uh, another character, Charlotte, which uh, we'll talk about her in, in just a little bit. And there's almost... Uh, there's, they, they try to do a love story, but it just doesn't work because, again, we just don't get very many scenes with these two together. Uh, we don't get very many scenes that build on any kind of relationship and don't give any relationship or at least uh, what they imply in the end. There's nothing really to, to set the stakes for that, to justify that to give that any credence so I, I was a little disappointed in that regard but but you do get a little interaction between Edgar Allan Poe and the Charlotte Ingram character uh, their scenes together are good I like the chemistry between uh, William Mosley and Melanie Zanetti uh, they had really good chemistry together I just don't think that the scenes with them uh, were written well enough to suggest that there is a burgeoning romance other than these two people liking what they see. Uh, that's really all you get from it. You never really get any feelings. And I just want a little more to, to give that some more weight when it's brought back towards the end of the movie. But other than his relationship with the other cadets, other than uh, Edgar Allan Poe's relationship with Charlotte, uh, he interacts with a lot of the other characters, but th there's nothing very substantial other than the uh, Clay character, Daniel Clay. Uh, played by Callum McGowan, which I, I really enjoyed him and his character. Uh, I will talk about him again uh, a little bit later, but uh, I really enjoyed his work on this, and I enjoyed the scenes between uh, Daniel Clay and Edgar Allan Poe. I thought those are I thought those two actors had a lot of good chemistry, and I wanted to see more of that uh, buddy cop vibe between those two as they face the terrors of this town. I wanted to see more of that. I didn't get more of that, uh, but I did enjoy the time they did spend on the screen and the the payoff of it all. I think was a little lackluster, but I think it was it was kind of something you saw uh, having to have to happen. Now I've already talked about her, so we'll we'll go into this next character, Charlotte Ingram, pl played by Melanie Zanetti. Uh, when Edgar Allan Poe and the cadets uh, come to this town, they're introduced to this family of Charlotte Ingram, her mother Elizabeth Ingram, played by Kate Dickey. We'll talk about her and her incomparable work uh there's a a man with them it almost comes across as a servant or a at this time maybe even a slave but uh, usher played by oberong ajapong and then there's another guy that's always kind of hanging around dr garrett played by david Heyman. and just those three right there david Heyman, uh kate dickey and oberon ajapong uh, just three fantastic character actors uh that right there made this whole movie i mean i liked william mosley i like callum mcgowan uh even melanie zanetti played a good character but those three veteran actors right there uh Heyman, Dickey, and Hajipong, uh, those three right there really gave this movie some weight and gave it some credence and some some credit uh, that that it really needed because this is, uh, I'm, I'm guessing, not a big budget movie and it is a movie that uh, 
You know, it's it's getting a streaming service release. It didn't get a big theatrical release. So you really need some actors there to give it some legitimacy. And I think those three actors right there uh, really added some weight and some gravitas to the the cast list. But Melanie Zanetti uh, did a good job in her own right. Uh, she plays the daughter of Elizabeth. And she is uh, a character that we get introduced to. She automatically has what you can see as an attraction to Edgar Allan Poe, inviting him and the cadets to stay at their bed and breakfast or their boarding house, I guess they would call it. And it's with this family, this this unit of people, that we, we really get the most intrigue out of this in the most mystery and the most sense of people know more than they're letting on as to what's going on because they come to this town and nobody seems to know who this guy is that that they found the body of or at least they won't own up to it but in other regards you can tell some people know who this is and nobody is saying a word and this house this boarding house with the ingrams with the usher with dr garrett they know more than they're letting on and they seem to be uh the the hub of the wheel where all the spokes come out where all the mysteries involved they seem to be all at the heart of it or at least they they know where the heart of it lies and Melanie Zanetti uh, did a good job. This wasn't a character that had a lot of weight to it. It had a lot of mystery behind it. And there was a lot of uh, misdirect behind this character, if you will. And the character is, in on one hand, a love interest to Edgar Allan Poe. Also, a, a little bit of a red herring of sorts. Uh, maybe red herring is not the right, right word for it. But... Uh, but Melanie Zanetti, I think, did a really good job. Uh, I was kind of worried because sometimes period pieces are not done well, especially when they're done on a budget, a small budget at that, where you can't afford to get A-list actors. Uh, you're kind of subjected to getting, you know, secondary, you know, B, C, D-list actors who maybe don't necessarily come across as of the period. And and especially in the writing, sometimes the writing doesn't come across as in the period, in a period piece. And that's one of the things I had to really kind of tip my hat to is that Christopher Hatton, uh, who's one of the writers of this, and he really kind of conceived this whole story, uh, did a really good job at writing dialogue that felt of the period. And he cast actors and actresses that really felt, their delivery felt of the period. And it didn't feel like you heard like modern phrases or modern manner of speaking or speech patterns. You didn't really feel that kind of in intermixed in this everything felt legit of the time period and the charlotte ingram character was one of the characters uh along with william mosley Edgar Allan poe those two characters get a bit a good bit of screen time and i was afraid that they were going to you know slip and it was gonna it wasn't gonna sound of the time period of the 1830s and they really did a good job i i felt like everything they were saying was uh, from somebody of that time period. Although <laughs> there is one moment towards the end of the movie where William Mosley is yelling something. I think it's somebody's name. I can't remember exactly what he says, but he's a he's an English actor. He's a British actor and uh, does a good job with an American accent, but he yelled something towards the end of the movie. I'm like, oh, 
he's he's British. You could hear his accent slip through in his yelling. Uh, but other than that, everything, and that's just a, a little, um, I, th- I found that quite entertaining. I don't look at that as a, a knock on him or the knock on the movie. Uh, but for the most part, everybody sounded of the period. And Charlotte Ingram, that character played by Melanie Zanetti, uh, was, a, was a character that got a lot of screen time that I thought it could easily have slipped in and out of sounding and not sounding of the period but she did a fantastic job with that the next character elizabeth ingram uh played by the incomparable kate dickey and if you're not familiar with kate dickey i guarantee that you are familiar with kate dickey because she's been in so many things she played lisa aaron in game of thrones she was in prometheus uh she was the mother in the witch uh, she was in Last Jedi, the 2021 version of The Green Knight as, as Queen Guinevere. Uh, she's just done so much stuff, and she's such a, a great actress. And she really plays like that character in The Witch. Uh, this character, Elizabeth Ingram, uh, was very akin to that in her severeness. She is a, a hard and severe woman of the times. And I thought the the casting of, of Kate Dickey in this was just... Uh, a fantastic casting because she's done this kind of role before and she's really good at it. So I, I really enjoyed her because as the mother of Charlotte, she feels like she is overprotective of her and she's protective of the secrets and the things that are going on in this town. You know, she knows more than she's letting on. And she is probably chief among all of the, the characters in this gives off that vibe that they know more than what's going on. And when it all comes down to the end of it and the big reveal, I was glad to see that she she was center in all of that. All of that action, all of that culmination, all of the climax of this all. I was glad to see that she as an actress was at the center of all this, uh, a part of all this uh, that's going on uh, because as such a fine actor she really lent some weight to to the events that that unfold of course quickly i kind of want to touch on some of the other characters before before we get into more of uh what's what really goes on with this story uh david Heyman as dr garrett is very close with the ingram family and he's doing experiments and he is very much again much like the elizabeth ingram character he is very much at the center of this big secret of what's going on in raven's hollow and he's such a a a brilliantly flamboyant actor he just he just really goes for it with this character and there are some scenes where he seems uh, so sinister, like under the surface, like he's smiling at you, but it's it's more of a, a Cheshire cat grin. Uh, and he just does a fantastic job with the subterfuge of this whole thing, of what's really going on. These people are saying they don't know, but they really do know. You have to, the you know, it's all you can come up with is that they know more than they're saying. And and him and his performance really lent into that and leaned into that whole mentality of uh, there's more going on than anyone is letting on. 
Now, the one character that does really come out and pretty much say that is the Usher character. Oberon Ajapong uh, plays Usher, who is a part of the Ingram family. His is kind of a mysterious role uh, because he, he kind of comes across as a servant or or I don't think a slave. He's never treated like a slave in this, in this movie, but more of a servant. But at times, he seems like he's much closer to Elizabeth and, and Charlotte than than just any regular manservant. And his is a character that really, uh, you know, he warns the cadets, Edgar Allan Poe and the cadets, to get out of there before before something gets them. There's something going on here that is is not good and these cadets' lives are in danger and he's trying to do the right thing and get them out of there. But at the same time, he seems caught up in once the cadets start disappearing and once the cadets are found with body parts all over the place, he's at the center of that and you don't know whether... He was a part of that, a party to that, or or is he just the right place at the wrong time, or the wrong place at the right time, or the wrong place at the wrong time? Uh, maybe that's more apropos. He's another actor, Oberon Ajapong, who just adds such weight to this character that he's playing. And while he's never done any like big roles in horror or fantasy or science fiction, a lot of the movies that uh, and TV series that I watch, if you look at his uh, IMDb filmology, I mean, the guy has been around for a long time, and he's had his name attached to, to so many great uh, TV series. And so the guy is a seasoned actor and a, a good actor, and an actor uh, much like David Heyman, uh, Kate Dickey, uh, Oberon Ajapong brought such weight and such real veteran chops to this movie that added a, a, a lot of legitimate legitimacy to a cast of of actors that I, I, you know, I wasn't familiar with a lot of these, the secondary characters, uh, the cadets in, in this group with Edgar Allan Poe that show up at this town. I wasn't familiar with a lot of these actors. Uh, there were a couple that seemed familiar, not really very familiar with uh, Melody Zanetti, wasn't very familiar with uh, Callum McGowan, who we're going to be talking about here in, in just a little bit. So when you have actors of this caliber, uh, these better and older actors that can kind of anchor a cast like this, even if the movie is subpar, it helps make a movie watchable. And grin, and I'm not saying this movie is subpar. Uh, I, I really, like I said, I did enjoy this movie, but uh, but you get what I'm saying is that even even a subpar movie can be lifted up and helped out a lot by a really good strong cast. And and this movie I think was a good movie, and it just made. Uh, the movie that much better because of a really solid cast. Now, the last actor we're going to talk about, because he was the last actor to really have a big uh, part to play in this, uh, at least the progression of the story, was the Daniel Clay character, played by uh, Callum McGowan. And he is the gravedigger. Uh, we find out that he's got ties to Dr. Garrett. Uh, he understands what's going on here better than anybody, and he's more willing to talk about what's going on in Raven's Hollow because of the impact that it's had on he and his father. And I like when when Edgar Allan Poe first is involved with Daniel Clay, uh, there's, a, there's a bit of a chase scene. They catch up with him and then 
the Daniel Clay character is really used to kind of explain a lot of what's going on. We finally start to see the mystery unravel after spending most of the movie uh, just with a lot of subterfuge and a lot of uh, cat and mouse between Edgar Allan Poe, the cadets, and the Ingram family. With them, you got a lot of, oh, we don't know what's going on, but we kind of do. Uh, whereas the Daniel Clay character really kind of spells out what's going on. Uh, but there's still a mystery as to what is this entity that is terrorizing this town. Uh, it's called the Raven. Uh, hence the reason why uh, the the man that was was tied to the wooden structure uh, that had his his stomach slid open. Uh, that's why the structure looked like wings. Because uh, was it a sacrifice? Was it a an offering to this raven entity? That's something. If you watched it, you know. Uh, but if you haven't watched it, then uh, it's it's something to figure out. But the Daniel Clay character really answered a lot of questions uh, that the audience is trying to figure out. And he really uh, guides Poe in the right direction towards a resolution to this this mystery. And I kind of like when the, the two of them team up and they're going to, to take on who they think is the real Raven character because there's, I, I don't think it's a great spoiler, but there are moments in this where the Raven can take on the identity of, of other people and almost like they're a shapeshifter of sorts. So even when you understand what the Raven is, you still don't know who the Raven is. And, and that's where the big climax comes in. And to help him be able to see the Raven for who uh, he or she really is, Edgar Allan Poe mixes opium in with some uh, some sort of alcohol that uh, that they get from uh, Daniel Clay because Daniel Clay has been getting he's been trading uh, and this is a little minor spoiler but you know it's it doesn't really have any bearing other than just a reason for Daniel Clay to have opium but he digs up fresh bodies for Dr. Garrett to experiment on in return Dr. Garrett gives Daniel Clay opium that Daniel Clay can give to his father to calm his nerves uh, because of the experience he had with the Raven oh so many years ago. But Edgar Allan Poe takes the uh, the opium so it can kind of uncloud his mind and open his mind up to, to what's really going on and he can hopefully see the Raven, which he does. And well, this doesn't have a big climactic ending. It almost has a climactic ending in three parts. Uh, you get the scene at the graveyard, which is uh, probably the more the more traditional climax location of the whole thing. Then you get a little piece inside the Ingram boarding house with with Usher, which was a little confusing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's things that go on with him where he kind of loses his mind. And then there's the scene with Edgar Allan Poe and Charlotte as they ride out of town. And then you really get the final piece of this kind of three-part climax where you have, in a way, the final showdown with the Raven. Now, ultimately, I, I really did like this movie. I thought it was uh it was good. There were the things I really liked about this is one, it set a mood. I mean, you could feel 
the dreariness and the cold of this this upstate I'm I'm assuming I always picture it in upstate New York but this this New York uh, state uh, kind of in fall it's it's probably September uh, or October of 1830 and you can almost feel the cold and you the atmosphere is set just right with this kind of gloomy overcast it's always overcast in this movie it seems uh, and it just kind of lends itself to the to the the chill that you almost feel as you watch this movie uh there are some scenes where this just they didn't overdo it with the fog machine there's just enough fog to set a mood a very gothic mood this this movie uh had a, a gothic almost like a cross between gothic horror and folk horror so I really loved the atmosphere that this whole movie set. It, that in and of itself was creepy. Even if there weren't a lot of really good scares in this movie, you always had this feeling of dread kind of hanging over the whole movie as you watch this, just because the the atmosphere that was set. Uh, I really did like the score for this movie. I thought the score did a lot to, to play into the creepy nature of this this whole story the sound design was a little uh, interesting and then i'll say that for some of the things i didn't like but i but I, like i said i really did like the the look of this the atmosphere i thought it was filmed very well i i did like the the direction of it all i thought the pacing i uh, could have been tightened up a little bit this for a an hour and almost two hour movie it didn't feel that long but for for the time length, I think we could have delved into the characters a little better. Uh, well, like I said, I'll talk about about things I didn't like. But uh, but like the atmosphere, I know I've repeated this twice now. The atmosphere, the score, I love the acting. The acting was superb uh, for not having like big A list actors or or maybe even some regards B list actors. You had some some really quality actors. Whether you want to consider them top tier, second tier, third tier, I don't care. Uh, when you talk about actors like uh, Kate Dickey and David Heyman and Oberon Ajapong and William Mosley, uh, those are, are good actors in my book. I really like Callum McGowan. Did a fantastic job as Daniel Clay. I he's an actor I want to see more of. I would have liked to see a whole movie uh, do a like a horror period piece horror buddy cop film with just uh McCallum McGowan and William Mosley uh as as the two leads I, I would like to see them playing off each other for a, a little more time Mallory Zanetti did a good job as Charlotte Ingram uh the the guys that played all the cadets were they did really good jobs for being cannon fodder for this movie uh I I really enjoyed uh, all of the acting in this and that that really made this movie for what it lacked and we'll get into that here shortly uh, for all the movie lacked the things that they did well with this movie with the cast with the look with the feel of this movie I thought it made this uh, an enjoyable watch now some of the things I didn't like with it uh, I talked about the sound design there were some moments where they you know had moments that were supposed to be horror but the sound design like they did these like very screeching almost it almost felt like a techno laser sound effect 
it didn't take me out of the movie, but it took me out of the horror that I'm supposed to be feeling and the dread that I'm supposed to be feeling. I'm like, ah, it's like nails down a chalkboard. What are you doing? I didn't enjoy that aspect of it. Uh, I really wish they would have treated the horror scenes a little more delicately, uh, played into the horror and not these god-awful screeching noises in the sound design that that just made it uh, awkward for a period piece movie. Uh, another thing I really didn't care for, like I said, was the fact that we didn't know anything about these characters other than what we saw on the screen. For being almost two hours long, I really wish they would have uh, delved into the relationships, delved into the past. You got a little tiny bit of a flashback with Elizabeth Ingram and Charlotte Ingram. And they give you a, a taste of their past in regards to this Raven character. Uh, but other than that, you don't know much about these characters. They didn't really have a lot of depth to them. You know Edgar Allan Poe, but you don't know anything about why he's in the military academy. You don't know anything about why he needs to uh, figure out this mystery. Other than that, he just is about duty and honor. Uh, that's all you really get. Uh, you don't get anything about these other cadets that he's with that would suggest why they don't want to help him or they just want to leave. Uh, other than that, just, you know, the one guy's a douchebag, the other guy's just a shy guy, the, you know, very archetypal characters. Uh, you don't get any more information about that. The Usher character was a, a fantastic character that uh, you don't know anything about him other than he tried to warn Edgar Allan Poe and these cadets to, to leave. You get a little bit of what it's like to be a black man in this time when he's falsely accused of a of a murder. But, but other than that, you don't get to know much about him and how he came to be with the Ingrams or anything like that. So I would have really liked it if they could have spent a little more time developing these characters and give me a reason to care about the characters or to despise the characters. I just didn't really feel much of anything for any of the characters for as much as I enjoyed the mystery of it all. Uh, I didn't care about anybody in it. Uh, I cared about Edgar Allan Poe because he's Edgar Allan Poe. But other than that... Uh, I didn't care about any supposed relationship between Edgar Allan Poe and Charlotte Ingram. I didn't care about whether this person was the Raven or that person was the Raven. I just wanted to know who it was because that means the story's progressing. The only character I really kind of cared about was the Daniel Clay character uh, because you found out uh, why he's doing what he's doing, why he's digging up bodies for Dr. Garrett so he can get opium to bring home to his father because his father had an experience with the Raven and it's not for the pain that he feels from from the, the scars from his, his encounter with the Raven. It's for the fear that he constantly feels uh, knowing that the Raven is still out there. I mean, you, you did get a little bit about this guy and while he seems hard and cold at first and, and maybe maybe he's not uh, a good guy at first uh, you realize you know he has noble intentions and he's doing the right thing he's doing things to protect his father and he's probably the only one you really learn a little more about and he's probably the only one that you really uh, kind of care about and then when he gets to where his story goes uh, it it's not done in a way that gives you any emotion uh, 
which that's a missed opportunity on the script's part because he's probably the only one you had any emotional investment. Uh, it was just he had his his fate was handed to him, and it's it's just very matter of fact. And that was a shame because of anybody, that's the one character you could find yourself emotionally invested in. And, and then they just kind of drop the ball on that. The other thing I really, uh, and, and this is a problem with a lot of, a lot of movies where they don't have a huge budget and they're using CG. The CG in this was not great. There were some scenes that weren't bad, mind you. Uh, but yeah, there was, uh, when the Raven is revealed, uh, it's it's just very bad CG. Uh, there are other CG moments that aren't horrible, but I think even beyond the CG, I think the character design was just really bizarre, and I don't think they had a fully fleshed out idea as to what they wanted this character to look like. And you see different iterations of this character. In some regards, the character is what you see revealed at the end of the movie, which is a it's a good starting point. I just think that that creature design needed some refinement. There's other moments where you see in the the trailer where you have the the first victim of the raven that we see on screen is has these like leaves or feathers flying uh, all around them and into their mouth. Uh, that was weird. I don't know how that related to the creature itself. And then you have the creature uh, shape-shifting into other people. And, and those scenes actually kind of worked. When you had somebody that you know acting like somebody you don't know, that kind of sinister, sly grin, uh, those were some interesting scenes. But, but ultimately, I just didn't care for the CG and the creature design just needed some more refinement. Those things I really didn't like about the movie. And, it, and you know, as we're talking about this, I do want to talk about some other things I really did enjoy about this. Probably one of the things I enjoyed about this movie the most is that uh, it made so many reference to Edgar Allan Poe's stories. Uh, and, and this really is kind of set up this whole adventure that Edgar Allan Poe has at Raven's Hollow is kind of set up as these events helped inspire him to write the horror stories that that he's famous for of course the raven this is supposed to be directly influencing him influencing him to write the raven there's references to a, a character that we don't know from the screen but uh, eleanor uh, who's is featured in the raven there are references to of course the character usher and the fall of the house of usher he digs up floorboards to find somebody buried under there. Uh, allusions to, and, and, and you know, he's holding a beating heart in his hand at one point. Uh, all allusions to Telltale Heart. Uh, there's not a black cat, but there is a black dog or wolf that we see. So they, there's a lot of allusions to the various stories of Edgar Allan Poe. I'm sure there's probably others that I missed, but uh, but those are some of the most obvious ones. And that was kind of fun because you had this 
fictitious account of something that happened to Edgar Allan Poe. And you can see the little things here and there. You can glean little things here and there, how that might've inspired this character in the real world to write this story or that story. Uh, another thing I thought was really cool was the fact that he tries opium uh, for the first time where he puts it into that drink. And of course, Edgar Allan Poe notoriously had a drinking problem and an opium problem to which they allude to later at the end of the very end of the movie when we see an older version of Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, so it was kind of cool that you see uh, what maybe started that opium problem and drinking problem with him later in life. You see the the beginnings of that. And another thing I really liked is at the end, you uh, see William Mosley as an older, more traditional looking version of Edgar Allan Poe. He's got the longer hair that kind of poofs out on the side and he's got the mustache. And when you see Edgar Allan Poe at the beginning of this, the younger version of him, you're like, well, that doesn't look anything like the Edgar Allan Poe that I've seen in pictures. Uh, when you get to the end of the movie and they show William Mosley as this older version of Edgar Allan Poe, Poe, the more iconic version of Edgar Allan Poe, you're like, that's the Edgar Allan Poe that I know. And we see him sitting down to write The Raven which was kind of a, a cool ending and, uh, you know, played into the fact that we've seen all these influences, these things that would have influenced him to write that, that, uh, that story. So ultimately I, I did enjoy this movie. Well, like I said before, it was it the greatest movie ever. Uh, no, it wasn't, but I thought it was a real good movie. The cast really helped make it a good movie for all it lacked in character depth and development. For all it lacked in in some story development plot points, I think the the idea of this Raven character wasn't fully fleshed out uh, because the what the Raven was wasn't fully fleshed out. I think some of that got a little muddy and confusing. Uh, is the Raven this creature? Is the Raven this uh, whirlwind of leaves, feathers that goes into people's mouths and up chimneys? Is it? somebody that can shapeshift into other people. I just don't think that was fully realized and that really showed on the screen. I mean, in some regards, the Raven is a shapeshifter, uh, almost like a trickster in, in Native American mythology. But in other instances, it's more of a spiritual thing. So it was really kind of confusing as what the Raven was really supposed to be to begin with. But regardless of that, regardless of the minor holes in the story, I thought there were some very creepy moments. Uh, there was a bit of gore. If you like gore, there's a bit of suspense and some, some thrills and things of that nature. Nothing too overtly scary. Uh, never during this movie did I feel scared. There's a sense of dread that hangs over this movie and a sense of of impending doom in some spots, but nothing really ever scared me per se. But with all of that, uh, the good cast, like the atmosphere and that, that sense of dread that you get in, in light of not having any real scary moments, uh, it was an enjoyable movie. It didn't feel, I know some reviewers and some critics have said it felt uh, every bit of two hours and longer. It didn't feel that way to me. Uh, I was watching this and I kept waiting for my wife to pop her head in the door to say dinner was ready. And next thing I know she does. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, it's almost over. Uh, when I hit pause, uh, it, it went along quicker than I thought it would. And it was an enjoyable watch. They set up enough mystery around this whodunit. 
that they've created with Edgar Allan Poe as the detective trying to find that. And, and Edgar Allan Poe really did kind of create the the detective, the horror detective story. You know, so many of his his works are of somebody solving a mystery like that. Uh, so that was kind of cool as well. And I, I just think it, it played very well. It played uh, into some very entertaining story points. And I quite enjoyed it. Uh, hopefully, if you watched Raven's Hollow on Shudder, you enjoyed it as well. If you haven't watched this movie, uh, please give it a shot. Because I, I don't think you're going to be disappointed. You're, At the very least, I think you're going to say, oh, that was okay. Um, and that's not bad. You know, if you're, you're sitting around on a cold fall evening, uh, on the weekend and you're thinking, ah, what can I watch? I think this is a good one to, to throw on. So I want to thank everyone for listening to my thoughts on the new Shudder original Raven's Hollow. I want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, please check out our Facebook page, Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop on Facebook. We're always posting trailers to, to new movies and TV series coming out in horror, fantasy, and science fiction. Also posting uh, articles that I find all over the internet about those genres that we love and sometimes add my two cents and a whole lot more. So check it out on Facebook, Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. We're also on Instagram as well. And no matter where you listen to this podcast, please uh, download it, follow it, subscribe to it, uh, share it with anyone you know that loves horror, fantasy, and science fiction. Uh, we certainly do appreciate you taking the time to to spread the word and, and get the word out there of what we're doing here. And please leave a review. Five stars would be awesome, but whatever review you'd leave, we certainly do appreciate that. So until next time. Thank you for visiting Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Ha 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 ha!